0: Recently, Rachel and I were interviewed on the GMO Watch podcast, which is hosted by Emily Journey. And on Emily's podcast, she's trying to break down the hype around GMOs and our foods so that we can come to our own conclusions about what we want to eat. In case you're interested in listening to the podcast, we're linking to it in the show notes. But we kind of go over what GMOs are and talk about just some of the pros and cons associated with them, similar to our other episodes. But it was fun to get to do this on someone else's podcast. Rachel, do you know any twins? I have known
1: a few sets of twins in my day. Yeah. Uh, two of them are my really good friends in grad school at UNC. And I will say it really challenges your facial recognition muscles um, because it was very hard for me to tell them apart <laughs> for the first uh, couple weeks
0: that I knew them for sure.
1: <laughs> do you know any twins, <laughs> Emma?
0: Not super well, but I have known a few sets of both fraternal and identical twins. But identical twins have always fascinated me because they're really useful for genetic research. Yeah, they definitely are.
1: Since uh, identical twins have the same DNA, scientists can use them to determine how much the likelihood of getting a disease is genetic versus environmental.
0: Recently, however, a study came out early in January saying that identical twins are not identical in their DNA as previously thought. Whoa, this is pretty (laughs) mind-blowing.
1: And more seriously, it could have some implications for how diseases have been determined to be either um, caused by environmental factors or genetically
0: driven. Exactly. Today, we'll unpack this study and talk about its potential implications for genetic research.
1: As a brief refresher, fraternal twins result from two different sperm fertilizing two different eggs, whereas identical twins result from one sperm fertilizing one egg and then that egg dividing into two embryos later on in development.
0: Before we talk about the study, it's important to get into some embryonic development so we know at what points identical twins can arise out of one egg. We know that sperm fertilizes the egg to produce a zygote, but what happens next is the zygote cells begin dividing to produce the morula. And this morula is a 16-cell zygote that's encased in a protein shell. After the first week of development, the protein shell breaks and forms a blastocyst, which you may have heard of before. Sounds familiar. A uh,
1: a blastocyst is a sac filled with fluid, and this sac has cells lining the outside of it. The cells on the outside of the sac eventually form the placenta, which nourishes the baby. At the blastocyst stage, the inner cells of the blastocyst can divide and form two embryos instead of one.
0: About 70% of identical twins will share the same placenta, and these are termed monochorionic twins. This can potentially lead to issues because one twin could get more of the placental nourishment than the other twin, which could lead to growth issues later in life.
1: A lot about identical twins depends on at what point the blastocyst splits. So the earlier it splits, the more likely it is that the twins will have different placentas, but the later it splits, the more likely it is that the twins will share a placenta.
0: Once the blastocyst has divided into two embryos, these embryos will implant in the lining of the uterus and normal development will occur. What we're interested in is the point of embryo formation, roughly two weeks after fertilization, and at this point, the primordial germ cells form, and these are the cells that give rise to the gametes later in life, which are the sperm and the egg cells. So the cells that will not become sperm or egg cells are called somatic cells, and these cells are not passed on to future offspring. So if you think about this, if you're a woman, your egg cells are developing when you are in your mom's womb. It's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about this, and it's kind of like an inception kind of thing that that the primordial germ cells are um, – it's like – Part of your grandchildren are also developing <laughs> your potential grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause when you're in your, when your mom is in her mom's stomach, the egg that will be you is in your mom and your mom is in your grandma. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's why some of these epigenetic um, events that we talk about, like when they're big, like stressful events like famine and stuff, that can have effects for generations.
0: Yeah, this is a really cool topic we both enjoy reading about. There's actually a really good NPR podcast that came out on this a few days ago, the shortwave podcast, just talking about epigenetics and the Dutch hunger that happened in the 1940s. That's a big one they used to talk about how epigenetics can affect multiple generations, and they're seeing that now.
1: PGCs are useful because you can track the mutations in these cells by looking at the offspring of the twins. So when we talk about a mutation, it's just a change in one of the DNA bases, almost like if you were writing a Word document and misspelled one of the words. If one twin has a mutation in a PGC, you will see this mutation in the offspring of only that twin, since their offspring are formed from those particular PGCs.
0: If the scientists see a mutation in both twins, in both the somatic and the gamete cells, so both, say, like a skin cell and also a sperm cell... Then they could conclude that this mutation arose before the blastocyst split in two, since the mutation was common to both identical twins. And then,
1: on the contrary, if scientists see a mutation that's only in one twin, then that mutation arose after the blastocyst splits. Um, If they do not see that mutation in the offspring of the twin, then the mutation arose after the PGCs were developed. So you can kind of like do a little genetic sleuthing here to figure out exactly when the mutation happened.
0: And that's exactly what the study did. They aimed to characterize the differences between the genomes of the gamete cells in identical twins. So the scientists in this study looked for mutations in the somatic cells from the twins and compared those mutations to whole genome sequencing of the twins, their offspring of the twins, spouses, and parents. So this way they could determine the changes happening to the twins' genomes and at what point in early development these mutations happened.
1: The postzygotic mutations, and as a reminder, a zygote is um, that first cell that forms between egg and sperm. So the postzygotic mutations that they're looking for Um, are before the primordial germ cells are determined, or pre-PGC. So they expect to see these mutations in the germline and the somatic cells of the twins they're looking at. And these mutations are interesting because both twins can have them if the mutation happened before the blastocyst split, or only one twin can have a mutation if it happened after the blastocyst split and before the sex cells were determined.
0: We know all these terms are confusing. Because we had spent a lot of time trying to figure this out in a way that made sense. And even in the paper, they had multiple charts to show you, like, if you had this gamete cell on a mutation here, this is what it would be like in the offspring. But just to reiterate, the scientists are looking at the mutation that happened before the germ cells are determined in the twins. Because then they can track these mutations in offspring of the twins and compare those to the twins' parents to see where the mutation's happening in development. Exactly,
1: and then based on how human developmental biology works, they can tell when the mutation happened depending on uh, if it was passed on to the offspring of a twin or not. So they first estimated the amount of somatic variation, uh, in other words, non-sperm or egg cells, so skin cells is one example of that, Um, and this is the post-zygotic or after the split between twins and they found quite a bit of variation. Some pairs of twins differed by 100 mutations, and some differed by none at all. But the median number of mutational differences was only three mutations.
0: And that's not that much, but it is still a difference between identical twins, which is pretty shocking.
1: Yeah, I mean it's location, location, location when you're talking about mutations. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> it can it can have no effect
1: at all, um, or it can have. I mean, one mutation can cause Alexander disease that I study. So it kind of depends where it happens.
0: Definitely. And they also saw that these post mutations increase as the age of the individual increases. And we kind of know this intuitively because as we get older, we accumulate more mutations in our cells. This is why cancer is more likely to happen to older people because cancer happens most often due to accumulated mutations over time.
1: We mentioned earlier that they sequenced the offspring of the twins. So from this, they saw that 64 offspring out of 246 tested had the mutation that was in their parents, but not the parent's identical twin.
0: This indicated that one twin had a mutation in their gamete cells or their sex cells that the other twin did not share, and that this mutation was passed down to the twin's offspring.
1: Yes, and this means that 15% of twin pairs had unique mutations that weren't shared between twins. They were further able to determine that there were an average of 5.2 mutation differences between twins.
0: It's important to note that there is a range here. Because some twin pairs were very similar and some were different, this has to do with when exactly the twins separated into twins in the blastocyst stage.
1: To look at this, they did some research into how the twins descend from different cells in the inner cell mass. So we mentioned earlier that the inner cell mass of the blastocyst is where it's determined if you are going to have one baby or two.
0: Sometimes the inner cell mass can form one embryo and another embryo can split off from that original embryo. In this case, the twins are more similar. In other cases, you can have the inner cell mass split into two embryos, which means that the twins arose from two separate cells from the inner cell mass and may not be as similar.
1: They didn't have the full information whether the twins in the study shared amniotic sacs to be able to correlate if these differences in amniotic sacs meant that one twin was more different than another twin and potentially arose from a different cell in the inner cell mass. But they thought that the variation in the amount of mutations the twins have later on in life could be the result of some twin pairs descended from the same cell in the mass and others descended from two different cells.
0: This kind of study is important because it's always been thought that any differences in twins has been due to the environment. But this study shows that there could be some genetic factors as well. I mean, we're only talking about a few DNA changes difference between the twins, but those could have a huge effect. As Rachel mentioned, if you have a mutation in one specific spot that one twin has versus the other, one could have a disease and one might not have the disease.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it gets maybe confusing when we get into the genetic sleuthing of where exactly these mutations happen. But if we step back and think about the big finding of this study is that, you know, these twins are not necessarily genetically identical at every single spot that we maybe assumed that they were. And overall, the scientists said that in 15% of identical twins, a substantial number of mutations, again, it depends on the pair of twins, are in one twin, but not in the other. So they found 38 pairs of twins out of 381 were identical and that 39 twin pairs differed by more than 100 mutations.
0: Wow, that's huge. 100 mutation difference between twin pairs. That's really crazy. But it's important to note that in this study, they did not share any of where these mutations were happening. Mm -hmm. They could be in places in the genome that don't do much, or they could be disrupting a protein being produced. They didn't get to that level in this study.
1: Or they could be in places in the genome that we just don't know what they're doing yet. (laughs) (laughs) There's no junk DNA here. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of shocking to think that there could be a hundred different mutations, but I guess... It kind of makes sense. Like when you're in the when the early embryo is forming, there's so much cell division that's happening, and we know that our cells have, um, you know, safety nets in place to make sure that they can correct those mistakes that they're making when they're copying DNA. But there is a certain mutation rate that is just going to happen. So it's not totally shocking that there are some mutations that just arise because the cells are dividing. We have over 6 billion bases in our genome, so twins differing by 100 places in the genome when it's 6 billion bases long is not really that difference in the grand scheme of things from each other, but it could affect how we determine the genetic component of disease.
0: When scientists determine how much of a disease is genetic, they often do this based off of twin studies. and because, This is because you can estimate the heritability of a disease by using identical twins. Heritability is an estimate of the degree of genetic variation in a trait. By looking at identical twins, scientists can estimate how much of a trait, like eye color or autism, etc., how much of a trait in a certain population group can be attributed to genetics.
1: It's important to say that heritability doesn't tell you how much is environmental factors, but it just estimates the genetic variability of a disease. And this variability can depend on the population that you're looking at. So certain populations may have a higher heritability for a disease because there's more genetic attribution in that population. So one good example of this is Tay-Sachs disease is more prevalent in individuals of Ashkenazi Jewish descent.
0: If a lot of genetic estimates of disease have been based on identical twin studies, or twins are assumed to be 100% identical, then this research shows that twins are not as similar as we thought and could affect some of those genetic estimates of disease.
1: Yeah, and not to mention besides disease, there's also have been studies on the effects of nature versus nurture on all sorts of traits using twins because the nature or genetic component was assumed to be the same. So there's definitely more research that can be done on twins to further the interesting findings of this study. It will be even more interesting to see how this affects the field of determining heritability because a lot of assumptions have been made on twins being similar to each other.